Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jesse. I'm one of the pastors here. We're continuing our series called Awe this morning. And uh, if you're just joining us or if you haven't caught any of the series thus far, uh, what you need to know is that in the scene we're looking at from Exodus 33 and 34 throughout uh, these, these weeks, what we're doing is we're entering a place where the leader of God's people, Moses, has requested of God, God, show me who you are. Show me your essential weight, your worth, uh, all of what makes you, you. And so God had seen uh, the, that his good creation had fallen, had, had experienced brokenness, and he's decided he's going to promise to bring a rescuer through a people, the people Israel, and they've just walked out of captivity in Egypt. They're heading towards a land God has promised them, and this is where we enter this scene. And, and it is a scene that ought to inspire awe in us. And I know for for me this series, and I hope this morning for all of us, what we get out of today is a fresh appreciation for who God is, but also a fresh motivation to follow him better. And I want to jump right in to where we are this morning in Exodus chapter 34, where, where God does come and God does say all of what we need to hear, all of what Moses has asked. And he says it this way in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation." What we're going to camp out on today is the phrase, slow to anger. And, and we are walking through piece by piece, taking uh, each of these phrases God gives us. And we're going to kind of get through all of them in these weeks. But today we're going to look at the patience of God. And I, when I approached uh, this topic, I thought, I don't think I have ever heard a message framed under patience. The patience of God. Like often it's, it's the, the love of God or the grace of God or the mercy of God. I was even trying to think, are, are there songs we sing that really specifically focus in, zero in on his patience? And I was like, I, I can't think of, of many of those. And so I'm really glad that this is what we are doing because God is saying, this is something you need to know. If he's saying it, there's got to be something we need to, to rest in and think about and consider the implications of. Now, if, if, you, if you have, you know, a social media account and there's often maybe a place to put a, a bio of yourself and these are things that when, you, when you're going through it, you're likely going, okay, if the world is going to know who I am, I want to make sure I hit a couple of categories. So maybe it's, it's husband or foodie or blogger or writer, musician. Uh, you see these also on, on, on websites of organizations. Like we even have uh, this on our own website. Uh, you can look at our pastors on there. And I took the most handsome pastor and put him up on the screen for us this morning uh, to get some bonus points for myself, but you'll notice that, that what he has put up here, Pastor Tim, is stuff that you ought to know about him. If he's never met you before, if you, if you really want to know who he is, you're probably going to look at this statement from him himself to see what, what, is he, what does he want to communicate. So I would expect there'd be things about sports. Sure enough, sports. 
playing sports. I would expect things about food and, and, and trying to, to, to eat as unhealthy as possible, but frame it in a way that, no, I live a healthy lifestyle, right? Uh, desserts and, and whatnot. I would expect things about really good coffee, and sure enough, there's lattes up there. Because all of this is around the idea that if I'm presenting to you who I am, I want to hit things that you need to know about me. And this is what God is doing in this scene, is he's going, here's what you need to know about me. A God merciful and gracious, but also today slow to anger. Slow to anger. This is not uh, something that just pops up here, though, because sometimes when we, you know, present ourselves to the world, it's just a statement uh, that kind of stays wherever it came from. No, this is a theme all throughout the Bible from start to finish. And we could highlight a couple places this morning. It's all throughout the Psalms. You know, Psalm 103 quotes this directly, the Lord merciful and gracious, slow to anger. You can look in, in the prophets, you'll see places like in Joel that Tim talked about last week where God is saying, look, come back to me, return to me, because why? I am slow to anger. One of my favorite places where we see this uh, is in the story of Jonah where Jonah is, is told to go and, and, and proclaim uh, basically judgment and, and call this, this, this city to repentance. And, and he's, and he, but, he, but, but Jonah's got this problem. He goes, I, I'm, I'm reluctant. I don't want to go there. But he eventually gets there through some miraculous supernatural activity of God. Uh, he proclaims this, this, this message of judgment and repentance. The city does repent. And then God goes, great, I'm going to not express judgment on them. I'm actually going to relent from that. And, and Jonah is, is, it's strange, he's disappointed in this. And he goes, I knew it. Like, I knew you were going to do this. I knew it. Why? Why did I know this? Because you are a God who is slow to anger. See, Jonah, Jonah allows God's words to shape his perspective of his world, not the other way around. He goes, okay, I, I'm going to look at life, I'm going to look at this situation, I'm going to look at this city and this message I've got, but I'm going to look at it not from what, what all of this tangibly here, because what I know about this is truer from God's perspective than from this earthly perspective, and I'm going to let God's words interpret the world for me. And he goes, what I can expect, what I can anticipate is an experience of his love and his patience. Why? Because of what he said, he is slow to anger. I wonder for us, and I wonder for myself, how often do I, do I look at God through the lens of the world, the lens of my circumstance, instead of letting God's words and God's character and God's activity interpret life for me? Which order am I doing it in? And from start to finish, the message we see coming from this scene is that God is patient, God's patience, in fact, all throughout the Bible is presented as something tremendously vast. The strength of it, the length of it is enormous and it's amazing. And it puts us in a place of, of, of appreciation and wonder and awe. But when I, when I thought of this, I thought, I think most of us, Maybe we haven't thought of it specifically under the title patience, but I think a lot of us sort of innately, especially if we've grown up in church or, or been exposed to, to, to the Bible or to teaching about the Bible, we kind of already agree with this, don't we? So then I thought, what if this weren't the case? What if God, in presenting this to us, said, a God gracious and merciful, quick to anger? 
See, uh, I, I used to be the, the youth pastor here. I've, I've since uh, moved into a different role. Uh, my wife and I were leading youth for, for six years here. Uh, she stayed, and they, they kept the better uh, part of our partnership in, in, in the youth ministry with, by keeping her. And so uh, a couple weekends ago, she goes off on this, on this retreat with the youth leaders, and uh, where, where you know, she's there, and, and I'm at home with my, with my two boys. You know, they're one and a half, three and a half. And anytime you get just three males uh, in a confined space for any period of time, probably a recipe for fun, but also potentially for, for chaos. And I'm unhappy to report that chaos was a bit more uh, what, what occurred, uh, because uh, at some point in this weekend, while she was away, uh, we, we caused some damage in our home, uh, some of which uh, has yet to be discovered. Uh, but... <laughs> One of which, and, and unfortunately the worst of which, uh, was quite obvious. And uh, to protect the guilty, I'm not going to go into all of what it was, uh, but it was, it was serious enough that I was like, oh man, there's, there's no way around this. I'm going to have to address this. I'm going to have to uh, come uh, you know, weeping and, and apologetically repenting uh, over what we have done here. Uh, and so you know, I'm, I'm not going to you know, push it off on the boys and just blame it all on them because under my supervision and maybe even direction, uh, this happened. And so... Um, uh, you know, weekend comes and goes, and I had, you know, I had created a strategy for how I was going to handle this when Janelle got home, and uh, somewhere between me forming the strategy and her finding out, uh, the strategy didn't exactly happen, and so I, I mean, I intended to tell her, uh, but she found out before I told her, and so uh, this created a moment where, so what's, what's this? And, uh, and her words uh, was, you realize this uh, could cost us like a thousand dollars? I was like, that moment could have gone very differently. Because if I were just to give you the words she said, without the tone she said it, without the, the, the emotion and the body language, uh, you'd be wondering which way that conversation went. But for my wife, it was framed more in a humorous and pitiful, like you realize... And, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming at this with, I, I kind of expect things like this to happen. Versus, versus, what is wrong with you? And just exploding. My wife was slow to anger. Not, not kind of glossing over what, what had happened, but approaching it in a patient way. And I so need that, not, in my, not just in my marriage, but, but also from God himself. I thought that scene could have gone very differently if my wife was quick to anger. So too, what would happen if God was quick to anger? We benefit from people's patience. How much more are we going to benefit from God's patience? So I look, I look at our Bible and I go, okay, well, uh, certainly, certainly we wouldn't have the New Testament. I mean, a lot of it is written by the Apostle Paul, uh, who was hunting Christians down, endorsing their killing uh, in the early church. God expresses patience towards Paul and eventually saves Paul, transforms his life, sends him in a new direction. But if God was quick to anger, that wouldn't necessarily have happened. Surely we wouldn't have had Jesus come. Surely we wouldn't have had the hundreds of years leading up to Jesus by which God, you know, preserves a nation to bring the promise through. Sure, like the, the, the prophets would have been a disaster. Even their best kings like David and Solomon wouldn't have made it very far if God was quick to anger. In fact, the whole story, all the way start to finish, if God is quick to anger, it goes very differently to the point where, you know how long your Bible would be if God was quick to anger? This long, we would get through Genesis 1, 
we would get through Genesis 2, and then we would barely make it into Genesis 3, making it to maybe verse 13, where God comes on the scene after, after mankind has rebelled against him, and in Genesis 3.13 says, what is this that you have done? And if he was a God who was quick to anger, he could have rolled the whole thing up right then and there, leaving us with 69 verses of a Bible instead of the whole witness, instead of the whole good news story of what he has done through Jesus to save us. If God was quick to anger, both the history and the trajectory of humanity and creation would be very bleak and very hopeless. So how much more are we grateful that this is true, that this is a characteristic of God, that he is slow to anger, that the strength and the length of his patience is tremendously vast? How grateful ought we to be? I mean, I know, and it's kind of weird, I, I feel the, the place I need God's patience most is with my impatience, oddly enough. Uh, the, the times where I, I'm, I am quick to anger is the times where I experience best the fact that he is slow to anger. You see, my anger, and a lot of human anger actually, I, I liken to a, a rubber band where, you know, uh, put under tension, it can't go very far. It's, it's kind of flimsy. It's, it's, it's liable to, to, to break not after, after not a lot of strain, not a lot of stress. It's not going very far, right? That's, that's kind of my patience. How much more am I glad that God's patience is not like this? That, that it's not up to me and it's not up to you. It's not up to any of, of, of humanity to, to save ourselves because we are quick to anger. Our patience is about this much. But God's is not like this. It's not weak. It's not short. He's slow to anger. In fact, Nathan, why don't you, why don't you come up here and help me demonstrate more what God, God's patience is like? God's patience, uh, in fact, is not like a rubber band. It's closer, in fact, to a resistance band. You know, it's far more durable. It's far more powerful. The strength of this, the length of this, compared to ours, compared to yours and mine, is far greater. Tremendously vast. To the point where I, I look at it as, and thank you, Nathan, you did a very good job. We are, we're so glad to have you around here. I'm personally so grateful for you, and as everybody should be. But look, for every bit of patience that God gives us, we're getting a gift. For every bit of length all throughout the story, it's undeserved, it's a gift. And over and over and over, God gives it because he's slow to anger. And, and, and the point of all this is that it's supposed to lead us back to him. It's meant to draw us back to where, where it all began. See, if, if, I were to, if I were to stretch this thing out and, and pull it as far as it would go, what I would feel from the other end is this, is this urge for, the, for this thing to go back to where it had started, and that is the point of God's patience, is to bring us back to where we started, bring us back to right relationship with God. Aren't we glad that his patience is that big, that it's not flimsy, that it's not short, that undeservedly it is far longer and far greater than we often realize. Now, I, I, 
I came across another sort of stumbling point for me because I wondered, okay, but there are places, there are places in the Bible where, where it seems like God just shows up and, and just, just, just knocks people down, snuffs them out. What, like, what's going on there? And maybe this is something you've wondered about too, where it's like, okay, well, we're, we're told this in this scene in Exodus, but surrounding Exodus and all throughout the Bible, in fact, even in the New Testament, there is an experience of God's anger. So what, what do we make of that? But if we're viewing it from a, uh, an earthly perspective instead of a God perspective, we're forgetting the strength and the length of his patience. The persistent and relentless nature of it ought to show us that if his anger is experienced, it must be perfectly justified. Because unlike a rubber band that's, that, that's quick to break and, and, and quick to go a different direction, his patience is not like that. Let me show you an example of this in Acts chapter 13 from the New Testament. After Jesus has come, after he has lived a perfect life in our place, died on a cross for our sins, raised to life, church is born. Let me show you an example uh, of, a, of a ruler from the time. His name was Herod. And uh, there's this scene in Acts chapter 12 where it says, Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On a point in the day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of God and not a man. His speech just inspires them to go, Man, this guy, this guy is something else. But then in Acts 12, 23, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Like, wow, that's the message you wanted to hear in church this morning, right? But the word of God increased and multiplied in that same point. See, if all we do, if all we do is look at this and go, see, God's anger was short. See, God did, did flip out. He spazzed out. He, he did something there that, that looks different than what he said in, in Exodus 34. What we're not doing is we're not understanding the depth of man's problem and the depth of God's patience because God's anger is purposefully timed and perfectly justified. His patience, the strength of it, the length of it, it is so vast that if we do end up seeing his anger, what we ought to know is that this has come at a purposeful time and a perfectly righteous way. And even when we look at this scene, like if, if all we knew of Herod was like, this wasn't the first time that Herod had done something that would have warranted the anger of God. Like, he, he, he's building an empire for himself. He, he's propping himself up in a prideful way. He even kills some of his kids, it's said. Like, this, the God has let his patience happen over and over in Herod's life. It wasn't like one day he made one mistake and that was it for him. No, if we're viewing it under, the, under the, the, the framework of God is slow to anger, we see life differently. We see it differently. And it's meant to draw us back. This is why I love places uh, like 2 Peter and Romans 2. In 2 Peter, uh, uh, Peter says, Look, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise towards you. He's patient. Why? Because he doesn't wish that anybody perish. But that his kindness leads them to repentance. His kindness leads them to repentance. In her book, Adamant, uh, Lisa Bevere puts it this way, the flame of God's love does not flicker in the wind of our waywardness. 
His love remains when we're irresponsible, unresponsive, and rebellious. He can't bless these actions, but even in the midst of them, his kindness leads us to repentance, and his love does not falter. The fact that God is slow to anger gives us the space, gives us the motivation and the appreciation to see him and go, he has given us an undeserved gift and his love expressed over this duration with this type of strength is going to pull me back. So whether you're a Christian or not this morning, do you feel, do you feel the tug of his patience? Maybe you're wandering, maybe you're running away in a direction that you know God is not putting you towards. A place where you're going to find yourself empty or in a, in a situation that's destructive. Maybe from an earthly standpoint or maybe from a, an eternal standpoint. God wants to draw you back with his, with his patience. Is he tugging at you right now? Is there some place where, where you're realizing, man, I can feel the resistance band of his patience on my life and I know I need to make a move back towards him. What could that be for you? What could that be for me? Now, I said at, at the start, this, this ought to give us a fresh appreciation for his patience, and man, it, it sure has for me as I've thought about this this week. But it also gives us a fresh motivation, because see, for me, God's patience actually fuels my own patience, there was, a, there was a time uh, a couple of years ago where, where I was facing a lawsuit for something uh, wrongfully. I'll add just this sort of a little side piece. But, uh, the, you know, I, I was supposed to head to, to, to court one day, which is a weird experience for somebody who's never, you know, really been involved with the police or, or court or any sort of lawyer type stuff. And I show up there, and I wasn't fearful of, of the outcome because I knew, I knew what the police thought. I knew what I, uh, my perspective on the situation was. But more so my problem was this impatience that this was just taking up so much of my life. This inconvenience was just month after month. It seemed like we were done. No, we're coming back. It seemed like we're done. No, we're coming back. And I could never fully get to a place where, of peace where I was like, is this over yet, Lord? Like, what is going on? And so the point came where I'm subpoenaed to go to the court uh, uh, to, to testify for something. And I knew the, the, the person on the other side of the case would be there uh, physically in the room. I had never met them, never seen them, didn't even know their name actually until I read the, the legal document that called me to the courtroom. And I'm going, man, I'm, 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 not, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the outcome but I'm frustrated and I'm impatient because of what, what this person is, is, is letting linger in, in our lives and, and, and perpetuating. And so I was thinking, okay, how, how can I like, I know in my own strength, I can't conjure up uh, the patience over this. The night before I drive to this courtroom, I'm like, I'm, with, I'm, at, a, I'm at some friend's house and we're, you know, we're watching TV or something. And all I could think about was just, man, this is frustrating. I just want this to be done and, and, and over with. And, and that, that rubber band of patience for me is just like going crazy. But what I did instead was realize, okay, look, this is not so much just up to me to, to stir up in myself. Because, I, yes, we are told, we are told that, that we ought to be slow to anger as well. That's why we see in Proverbs 14 that, that, that those who are slow to anger have great understanding. That's why we see in James 1 that we're supposed to be slow to anger because the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I knew that going into this. But I also knew 
that part of what happens when we become believers in Jesus, when we put our trust in him, we're not just given an, an eternal destiny that's changed. We're given a present power in terms of the Holy Spirit who comes to live in our lives now. And so then I'm looking to Galatians 5, which says, hey, here's the types of things the Spirit wants to produce in you. Love and joy and peace. And guess what else? Patience. So then, uh, so then I, I, I head uh, driving towards this courtroom and I'm realizing, you know, as, as much as I have this, this rubber band of patience, God's got something far bigger that he can produce in my life. He's got something far stronger, something that's way more durable that I can draw on, that he can produce in me to extend in this place. And because I'd never seen this person before, Somehow, after praying this prayer of God, give me patience, produce patience in me. As I head to this courtroom, dressed in clothes I wouldn't normally wear, in a place I wouldn't normally be, in a, in a city I would normally never visit, God, give me patience, produce in me patience, because you are a God who's slow to anger, and I want to be somebody who is that as well, because what we see God doing is what others should see us doing. The, the way we see God be and act is how others should see us be and act. And it is possible because of the Holy Spirit. And so I walk in there and it's like every person I see somehow, it's like, man, I've got patience for that person. Man, that person seems like, like they got a coffee and I never got a coffee. But you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be patient with that too. And man, I'm like just going around just handing out patience because I'm not drawing on my own patience now. That's the size of a rubber band. I'm drawing on the God-sized resistance band of patience to lead me through that courtroom scene. And this is what's available to us, too, is patience. So, so, so where, 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 where are you at? Where, what, what is it? What is it that maybe, maybe there's a type of patience that you need to exhibit in your life, or maybe you need to go to God, make a move towards him because of the patience he's having in your life right now. Maybe there is some sort of tugging he's doing. Maybe there is some sort of opportunity or relationship or, or unread message that you haven't opened yet on your phone that you know you're going to need patience for. I don't know what it is, but either maybe you need to make a move towards God or make a move to relying on God to produce patience in you. And I think sometimes, if you're like me, sometimes you're really impatient even with yourself. Where you go, I, Lord, I know what I've done. There's, there's, no, there's no way. There's no way you could be this patient with me. Lord, I know where I'm at. And, and honestly, God, I've, I've written myself off, or I've written that person off, or I've cut off that relationship. Maybe God's challenge to you today is, look, I am a God, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and I have not written you off. And I've not written that person off in your life either, so why should you? He's not done with you yet. He wants to draw you back. Let his patience, let his kindness. Maybe for the first time, if, if you need to put your faith in Jesus for the first time, but maybe even just for us who are believers, who know, hey, there's this space right now, there's this area in my life that I, I have to come before God knowing that I'm approaching him, not, not from some sort of guilt trip, but from the, the motivation of his patience. And I think there's something so powerful when we know that somebody is waiting for us, isn't it? When, we, when you know somebody is waiting for you, you're, 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 you're actually inspired to move. 
Like if, if you're at, you know, somebody's house and they're like, hey, dinner's ready. You know, we're at the table, we're ready for you. You're not sitting, you know, in the living room going, okay, well, I'll get around to it when I feel like it. it smells good. You guys are all headed there. I'll just, I'll, I'll be there on my own time. No, you're, you're motivated, right? And sometimes the greater, the patience that's being given to you actually inspires greater motivation. Like if you've ever been in an airport where, where you know that you're going to be one of the last people on a plane, you know there's an entire plane load of people sitting in their seats with crying kids, lack of snacks, sleep deprivation, and all of that in a stuffy compressed chamber with other people. If you know that they're waiting just on you, you're going, man, I am motivated to move right now. Like, like, I know that's, that's happened to me more than I would want it to happen to me in those airports. But look, when it comes to God, it's not about guilting us there. It's about gracing us there. Do you know that he's waiting for you? Do you understand how vast his patience is? How strong it is? How long it is? That might be calling you back and sending you to give this to somebody else. So I want to give us the space just right here, right now to come before God in in our seats where we're at and talk to him. Lord, in your grace, identify for us those things, those tendencies, those, those people in our lives that we, we need your patience to be produced in. Lord, tug at the hearts in this room of those who maybe are headed in a different direction than you would have them go. To realize that the God of the universe is waiting for them. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger. deserve this, Lord, but you give it to us anyways. So we're grateful for where you have gifted us your patience in the past. And here and now we renew our motivation to draw on it and celebrate it anew today. In Jesus' name I pray.